everybody. Welcome once again to Rise of the GM, where Adam Caldwell and Matthew Thomas are here to talk to you today about a sinking ship, a gang leader, and what are the eight types of fun and how does a GM use that in the game? Thanks for joining us here on Rise of the GM. Hey, Adam, it is good to be back with you again today. Yeah. How are things there in Terre Haute? Doing okay. Excited Doing to talk great. about some stuff here. Well, we got some good stuff to talk about. I'm really excited about this, uh, the eight types of fun. This is something we came up with. And uh, once we looked back, we're like, oh, this also is from Gnome Stew. We just really <laughs> love the stuff those guys put out. So, guys, we are plugging you hard, sending people yep. your way. But we're going to talk about that. And before we do, though, we're going to get into every week we have an encounter prompt and then, uh, an NPC. We're going to have that NPC at the end. I'm going to start with our encounter prompt today. It's uh, one about a sinking ship or a shipwrecked ship. So let me read this, and then we'll talk about what this encounter might look like. This is, again, the, from the book Eureka. It's this idea of being able to just grab an encounter and kind of use that as a seed to get you started, either, whether it's for one encounter, for uh, you know a three-shot campaign, or going into a campaign or part of a campaign that you would just drop this into. So let's read this, see how we would either use this uh, on its own or dropped in to a campaign. It's called Like Rats from a Sinking Ship. Uh, there's a shipwreck on an uncharted island spotted by sailors that are passing by. And when they finally get back to port, they, they come in from sea, uh, they, they tell of a ship that was wrecked that seemed to be crawling with strange creatures. Now, this was a ship that was uh, insured uh, probably by the royal family, and the insurer of this lost ship says that there is a file of holy water on board. Uh, and that it is a cure for an ever-worsening disease that affects one member of the royal family, and he doesn't want them to know that it's lost. And so he says, hey, listen, I'll get you out to the place if you guys can get that file back for me before they find out that it's even been uh, in jeopardy. We need this. And so he says he'll take you out there. And so you guys agree, and in route, the PCs learn from the crew that this area is cursed uh, and generally avoided, even by pirates. And as you get close to the location and you see the shipwreck off in the distance, you notice uh, these dark, menacing figures swimming up toward you. And this is kind of the first part of this encounter. These things climb up the side of your ship. They come in and there's a fight. Now, this is not the main fight, but this gives them a taste of like what's coming. And so some of these, you can decide how many come crawl up the side of a ship and uh, you have to uh, decide what to do. You have little time to react before they, they crawl up the ship and start to attack, uh, going after holy and religious characters first. So if you have any divine characters, they're the ones that are kind of the center and the focus of this attack. Uh, the creatures, you will find out, uh, they worship a, a dark god who's tended to tenants decree the death of followers of any other god right so you got this uh um dark menace fundamentalist that believes nobody else is correct and they want everybody else dead and after defeating the creatures the shipwreck um and the island can be seen close by and as you look at that shipwreck after you defeat them and you you see it there's just like creatures swarming all over this ship i mean it almost looks alive like when you see uh a, a Part of a picnic that gets covered by ants. You have an apple <laughs> sitting there and ants crawling all over it. Uh, as you as you get closer, though, they do flee. Okay, so they all don't stay there. As the ship comes in closer, you see a lot of these flee. Boarding um, the sloping deck of the wrecked ship, the PCs end up going below where they find a lot of waterlogged ruin, uh, rooms and ruined things uh, with an occasional uh, creature in there picking through the stuff, uh, picking through the pieces. The majority of them have left the ship, but there's a few that uh, are on the ship and they look like they're searching for something. Uh, in the area where the uh, the PCs should find the file that they're looking for, that that 
that uh, is it file? Am I saying that correctly? I always think of vile, but file, file, file. Anyway, they uh, they come across uh, an an ornate box with holy symbols on it. But when they open the box, there's nothing in it. There are some other valuable items in the ship, uh, right? And if if they stay aboard too long, looking through every room, looking for all the treasure, whatever, uh, the tide comes in and begins to pull the ship out to sea. PCs may find themselves trapped in a room quickly filling with water. That's a fun little thing for them to learn mm-hmm. how to escape. Not finding the file on the ship, the island, because this is, again, on a beach, right? So the island is the next logical place because many of the creatures fled there when when the ship was coming in. Uh, As you go into the deepest part of the island's half-flooded cave system, so there's a cave system on this island that's kind of been flooded, Uh, the PCs find the creature's shaman, right? And he's leading the creatures in a ceremony meant to corrupt the vial. So they've started it. Who knows how long it's been going. Uh, All of the creatures will attack if this ritual is disturbed. Okay. So there's going to be a lot of fighting. Uh, and to ramp up to the final battle, you can have a powerful sea monster or a dragon, something worshiped by the creatures rise up to join the fight. So I love a lot of things about this one um, for everything from the idea that you get these sailors coming into port and it starts off as rumors, right? That there's this, there's this shipwreck and it, you know, it's crazy. And this is what it looks like. And then somehow, whether it's, right away or at some point in your interactions they come across this person who insured the boat who is who's also heard these rumors and it's like before the royal people find out i've got to get you guys out right. there yeah and so uh you get this uh you know when you're on the ship going out there you can you know do some of that acting for the insured before you even get on the boat but as you're going out there some of the acting with the uh, crew who are talking you know they're very uh, superstitious and talking about how we don't even like to go around this place and uh, you can do some of that. And then uh, this idea that uh, there are creatures everywhere and you get that small taste and then later you're going to fight more of them. You get to come up with what those creatures are. I love how they just say some dark creatures swim out. And mm-hmm. so you start thinking, what could that be? It could be, you know, dark sea elves. It could be, yeah. you know, these uh, kind of slimy mutated creatures. It could be, and you can kind of come up with something very unique that uh, is memorable for the players. Uh, but I also like this idea that once you get on that ship and start looking, you wouldn't, I wouldn't even tell my players this, but it says, you know, if they stand there too long, uh, the, the ship starts getting pulled out to sea and they can find themselves trapped in a room that's flooding. You know, we talked last week about having that escalation dice mm. where it's, it's on one and then with every round it goes up and that adds to the attack of yeah. everybody on the board. Well, this is a place where I would use a die uh, before I started. I would pick out, you know, six rounds, eight rounds. What is it going to be? Mm. Maybe even four rounds because, you know, rounds last forever, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, and I would like flip that, not saying anything, but when you know, I would put it out there and like, be flipping it just occasionally where they can see me and they all start wondering what does that even mean and then when it hits four i'm like yeah suddenly you realize that this ship has been pulled out to sea and it mm. is sinking you guys are being faced with water gushing in this doorway of this room you're searching whatever it is and mm-hmm. and go from there i think that's kind of cool and then of course this whole shaman um and the fight that's going to be interesting but i think uh knowing how and when you would decide to bring in whatever this creature is and I say how, because if it's something that rises up from the sea, you have to think we're in these half, mm. you know, flooded caverns. Yeah. How is this thing going to get in here? I like the idea that as the water came up and pulled the boat out, that it also comes up high enough that water floods into these caves. And that's why they're half flooded to begin with. Uh, and this thing can, you know, whatever it is, slime its way through the water into right, the cave. Yeah. And then, 
you know, it's there. And uh, yeah, it could be a lot of, a lot of interesting things. And this could then, you know, turn into uh, the other part I like about this is it can turn into more because you find this ornate box with nothing in it. Well, that could be a hook and a mystery for something else. You know, say so that ornate box had nothing to do with the cure. Right. It's something completely different. And like later you hear of a, there's this amazing relic that's in a box like this. And you're like, oh, I found that box. Yeah. Dang, you know, yeah. who yeah. knows? Who knows? So I don't know. Any thoughts as I read this that's like, hey, yeah. that's cool or that's not or that's something I could use. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Um, I, I do like the the plug and play aspect of this where I, I feel like so often I'm running a tavern on a dock. Like, I don't know why that is. I, that's a that's a draw I have, I think. Oh, it's yes. like, oh, yeah, there's the a tavern down by the dock, you know. And so this is nice as far as just like considering, okay, um, it's not just like the group just wants to go take it some downtime in a tavern. So yeah, there's a tavern by the dock or it's not just, oh, there's actually some information that I have that I'm wanting to give them. But what's that rumor kind of mill looking like within it? This is a good uh, thing that's available for that of like, this is something that could lead to something else that a sailor would actually say. So that's really helpful. I do like the connection to the royalty. Um, I mean, you have the, it's like the ship the ship owner or whatever who wants to save face. There could be quests out of that or connections there of like, oh, you did this. Well, I have some other problems over here that opens some things up. But even like the royal family, there's that thing in the background of, okay, somebody What's has the disease? illness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and who is the person and how is this going to play out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. As a player, that's, that's the curious thing to me. It's like, okay, yeah. we dealt with this, but like, what is this for? And how do I get involved? You know, kind of thing is, is going to be a, a thing that I, I would find interesting. Um, and the cool thing is, you know, this insured, you're going to hear the rumors from these sailors who are back in port. And I would let those rumors kind of float around for a little bit. And then they're going to come in contact with this guy who insured the ship who's looking and he can look out of place coming into this tavern, like looking around, like he's looking for somebody to do this and he is not used to being in this area. And you can even really get into the desperation, you know, say he kind of mentions it and your party's like, nah, we got other things we're doing. You can let him get more and more desperate to where his, you know, level of what he will give you to do this. Right. rises to a point where they can't refuse. He'll make you an offer you can't <laughs> refuse, right? He won't be like yeah. that because he's he's full of anxiety. He's not full of confidence. Right. But <laughs> yeah, I, I like the out of place. I, I think about him, you know, this maybe more of a business person, like more noble uh, bearing, you know, coming in, but being like concerned with hat in hand. I, I need help from someone and even getting pushed off by some you know, salty sailor, like, get out of here, I, whatever. I don't, you know, and your group kind of, oh, perhaps I could be of assistance, you know, kind of thing. So um, I, maybe there's even another guy there who's like, oh, yeah, we can do that for you. Sure. How much are you going to give us? What What do you got? You know, and yeah, like yeah. you could make him a slime ball who's obviously right. trying to just take the money and run. And your characters who feel so good and noble yeah. <laughs> come to his rescue. Uh, the... <laughs> I can't remember if we've dealt with this already or if this is just another conversation, but this would be a good opportunity rolling off of that for a, um, another group that's trying to get this. It's like, now there's a competition of, Oh no, we're going to take care of it. And, you know, they're trying to get out there too. And it adds that like third element of it gets, a, it gets, 
it gets kind of fun sometimes with that too of not only am i dealing with these things and this like dark cult thing that's going on with these sea creatures but now there's these yahoos over here trying to get Racist. in here and yeah. yeah and and like we have to we don't really want to like just kill them but they're also hostile and you know um that kind right. of thing's fun um i like that i i like going into kind of going more out to the island um i think it'd be really interesting with the creatures to have them um muttering whatever this thing's name is at times like for that to be said uh i don't have when you uh, say this thing you mean the creature that they're worshiping like uh Ugalash. Ugalash. you know like kind of thing it's like that keeps coming up during this battle or when they're like you know interrogating one of these creatures or if it's fleeing away that there's something about Ugalash, and you get there and it's like what's what is what is Ugalash? like it's not bringing anything to mind with any knowledge checks and then you get here and it's this unheard of creature that you know is coming up out of the depths to fight you also so it rises up like godzilla and they're all like yeah oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. <laughs> like i i think there's ways to you know build some uh fear or anticipation you know even in that and it's like oh is that like dark priest Uglosh? no that's Uglosh, you know kind of thing that's so I, I think that could be uh be kind of cool for that so yeah cool so that's an encounter that you can take and think this one's really particularly easy to drop in because like Adam said, almost yeah. every tavern seems to end up around a dock somehow in every yeah. city you're in. <laughs> and royal families are always a part of something I've almost seen in almost every fantasy campaign. There's a royal family that's either good or bad or yeah, who knows. Right. So this one can drop in, in, in lots of different ways and you can decide what that looks like. Yeah. We're going to go on to our main topic of the day. And that is this idea of there's eight types of fun. And before we start, I want to let Adam just kind of introduce and talk about what does this mean? Eight types of fun and how did this even come up as a topic? Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking on this and this has been a, a thing that's played a role in my GMing for, for quite a while. And just like kind of being in the back of my brain, we've had conversations about it. I've had conversations with different people I've gamed with our, our Thursday group. I, I feel like I ask every six months, like what, what's your type of fun again, you know, kind of thing. And right. um, I think it's a really helpful tool. Um, so there was a, uh, there was an essay by, I'm going to just go ahead and like, give everybody here, but, uh, Robin Hunicki, Mark LeBlanc and Robert Zubek from Northwestern university. And they, they wrote this thing called MDA, a formal approach to game design and game research. And like in that there's this like eight types of fun that's talked about just kind of generally about gaming, but see all you gamers out there, this is high academic yeah, stuff yeah. going on here. Yeah. It's, it's well worth checking out. You can Google, <laughs> eight types of fun. You'll find this stuff, but gnome stew who eventually we're going to do something that's not gnome stew related. I'm sure. Eventually. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, they just have put out really great stuff and we're going to, you know, keep, keep pointing people to them too, but they, they have a, a short article. You can, you know, you can Google that too. gnome stew, eight types of fun. It's very short, but it explains this. And we're kind of working off of this, but it was 2016 when this was written. I mean, this has been, quite some time since this came out. And I heard this talked about on, a, I believe it was on a podcast back then, and then got kind of referenced to this article. And the idea here is that like, people come to any game, 
um, with a lot of different ways that they enjoy it. Like there's, there's different reasons that people have fun. Um, and these, these, uh, kind of, uh, specific themes are the ones that they found these eight types. So, um, we're going to just kind of read through those and talk a little bit about them. Talk about talk what, about, how yeah, we talk relate about the ones that we relate yeah. to talk about people. We know that relate to some of those that we see, like this is a classic example. Yeah. So we'll start with, uh, the first one is, uh, the type of fun being sensation. Okay. So these are the games that engage people's senses directly. So RPGs that have minis, right? You know, your little minis, you move around, uh, terrain that people print out on their 3d printer or make in some fashion handouts, things that you can touch, pick up, interact with physically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, these are the kinds of things that, that, uh, exist in this kind of fun. Savage worlds players are said to love their toys. Um, they look on the table and it gives them things to touch to move around. People who also like to incorporate music would be in this, uh, like because that's a sensation uh, as well to the ears. Uh, so, people who love uh, like great maps and great pictures would also fall into this. And so, there's a lot of different ways uh, that sensation can be part of what makes a game fun for you. And uh, for me, I would say I'm. I'm pretty big with a couple of those. Uh, I love visuals. I love having a picture that really puts people in that place. And I love the little, I love minis and dice. Yeah, you know, I love yeah. fiddling <laughs> with things. I love rolling real dice. One of the things I hate when we do a game on Roll20 is just pushing a button and like a dice result popping up. Yeah, that is right. something so less satisfying for me. And you guys can attest to this who play with me. My rolling can get out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because of how much joy I have in the actual rolling process. I just overdo it. I like you mean to just kind of roll them like normal. Somehow I end up pulling my hand way up and the dice go flying everywhere. But there's that clacking and hitting of the dice. There's the touching. There's the feeling a bunch of dice in your hand. That's yeah. exciting to me. Yeah. Moving your mini around. Um, all that stuff. And, you know, you don't have to like put your mini up on a, on one of those translucent die cases when they're flying, but it makes it more fun when it feels yeah. like they're up. <laughs> and so you put them up on that. And, uh, so these kinds of things, I, I, I know Adam does a lot with sound, um, yeah. but, uh, how do you feel? You feel about the sensation part of fun? Yeah, or do you know I, anybody who epitomizes this? Oh, epitomizes. Um, actually, uh, I'll call out my friend Devin. Um, we've had a conversation about this because he he really likes uh, board games and like tabletop games, not just RPG stuff, mm. but like these other you know games where you can you know get two to eight people together and play. And one of the things we realize when we've looked through his game uh, collection is the games he likes to buy have like a lot of little tokens and mm -hmm. little uh figurine things or beads or you know just all it's like there's a it's one of those you open up and there's like 20 packets of different things that you can play and that was like a realization that like these things are really intriguing and fun to play because they have all these things and um i feel that too uh definitely i'm i'm definitely i talked about like tactile like being yeah. able to feel the stuff i like to hear the stuff i like to you know burn the incense when the, when we're in the dragon's cage and you know, all, all those kind of things like that sensory stuff is, is really helpful for me. And with like the online play, um, 
it doesn't bother me. Like I'm, I'm fine online. And I think probably more so than some, there's other people that have really hard time with it, but there is something about like when you roll a nat one with a real dice, it's like, dang, but when you roll a nat (laughs) one on a computer, it just feels like like I was gypped. It's like the computer (laughs) is cheating me and there's just something now the nat 20, it's like, whatever, you don't think about that kind of stuff, but, um, then like, you're like, I'm awesome. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, um, Joshua Morton is uh, uh, commenting on your dice rolling skills, by the way, in the chat. He says, out of control, indeed. What? Safety glasses are needed. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel very much with the sensory. That's that's a big part of um, when I come to the table, like fun stuff that uh, it, I, it definitely enhances it at least. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, uh, you think about uh, how even in games that are not RPG games, a game like Risk um, is a mm-hmm. game that without all of those little characters uh, and the yeah. dice, would Risk be anywhere near as fun as it is? Right. Uh, any game that has, you were talking about your friend who has a bunch of board games and they all have these little pieces. I, I'm the same. I love yeah. those little piece games. Yeah. You froze there for a second. I just started kind oh, of taking sorry. off with that. What was your thought? <laughs> you were working on there i don't know like, I, don't I don't know what else <laughs> i'm sure it was great i'm sure it was great it'll come back up why don't you go ahead and read our second type of fun let's, right. let's keep going with this uh so fantasy um these games don't exist in our world or if they do the world has changed enough that we can suspend our disbelief and separate from the everyday for a little while uh, more so we can take on the personas of people and visit places that only exist in our dreams um, D&D is the classic fantasy game. You take up mm-hmm. arms, you battle mystical and fantastical monsters and foes in a world of swords and sorcery. And while it's a classic, they they point out that like it doesn't necessarily have to be that like medieval fantasy that that we can engage in fantasy as fun. Um, it can be sci-fi. It can be post-apocalyptic. It can be superheroes. You know, all those things are like part of being something that you're not and that how that's like a type of fun that uh, people have. Um, if you want to disconnect from the drudgery of reality for a while, then your fun is in fantasy. Um, how's that feel for you, Matthew? Fantasy. Uh, I love fantasy books as far as fun and gaming. This one doesn't resonate with me as much. I can, uh, I mean, I guess, it's hard because like they'll say uh, somewhere at the end of this that it's not like you have one of these all on and the other one all off it they're, they're like dials some of them are just higher for us and this one is one that yeah i like it to be there but it's not it's not that thing that really makes the game fun for me and i i think that's what we're always trying to identify is what is it for each of our players and this is for us as a gm as we go through these your thing as the gm is to figure out what is the thing that makes it fun for this person you know i got this guy over here and i know he loves touching things i'm going to make sure there's minis and dice and terrain you know when he's here because that really is fun for him for another one it is this idea of i've left my normal life and i'm in this other place um and that that can be i'm sure that that's part of it for me but it's not one of those things that i majorly identify as that's what makes it fun because i can have fun i probably just suspend belief so easily that i don't recognize how much i'm in fantasy even in my real life (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i enjoy 
this I enjoy this, but um, I do. It's not as high up for me either, um, as far as things. I think maybe the going the places, it's like the locations, like that mm -hmm. excites me. Um, but I, a thing I think about a lot, like I, I can like uh, empathize isn't the right word. I can understand, I guess, like there's a, a draw for people to play like monstrous creatures or things like like really really weird things and i'm i'm like probably never gonna play even like a dragonborn because it's just like weird to me <laughs> but i know i know like a lot of people like like that of like oh, i can play this like super weird thing um as a character and i'm like i i'll, I'll play a half elf you know and be f totally happy because <laughs> uh it's not that like i don't know that that doesn't drive me um and the truth is I would say this just jumping in there. I sometimes I have a harder time going like so completely out of ordinary. So like whenever I play like an Aarakocra, you know, a bird type person or something like that, I'm always like, no, he really looks like a human. He just has wings and he can fly. I don't want like talons and I don't want a big bird face. And I don't, you know, I don't want to go that far out of reality. I want right, it to be yeah. somewhat adjacent to reality yeah. Yeah. with fantastic elements. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the, that stuff doesn't drive me. I will say there's like a flip and I'm, I think this fits into this, but it's not RPG, but I remember playing um, Fable 2. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the on the Xbox and I'm like playing this and there was a point where I realized like, OK, there's this like mechanic here where I have like a, a wife and a family in this game uh, and I have to like like there's right. there's actually a mechanic in the game where you have to like go back and like do stuff at your house or there's going to be problems. And I'm like, I, I have like a real family. <laughs> And I already have a to-do list. I don't need a second family in a fantasy game that I'm playing <laughs> on a Xbox right now. So I think, I don't know if that, what does that do? I guess I wanted to suspend disbelief a little bit farther. So maybe fantasy <laughs> does play a thing, but like, it's like the, the, the fact that it was more real kind of made me mad, I guess. But, um, right. So that, that I had to change some things about that game, but the, uh, so I, it plays a little bit of a role, but not, not as much for me as like the sensory thing or some of these others. I, I'm just reminded of Dwight in the office, not only playing Second Life, but his Second Life character playing Second, second Life. life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. All right, let's go on to the next one here. The next one is narrative. Uh, this is uh, when it comes to RPGs, this element is pretty much all encompassing, right? Every RPG that I've ever encountered that, that you've probably ever encountered has narrative as part of its fun. And we often play these games to create or experience stories um, from ones that are embedded in the games we're playing, right? Um, I think it's this idea of being able to build everything about the narrative. Every game lands somewhere in this spectrum. And if you enjoy storytelling, this is probably one of those that you're going to love. And for me, narrative is one that I identify with uh, quite a bit. I love the storytelling aspect, and this probably goes back to even in my day-to-day -day life when I'm talking about things that I've actually done in my life. They come out like stories with, you know, beginnings, middles, and ends, and like uh, conflict and resolution. That's just the way I think, and uh, I love that part about um, a, a campaign. And as a GM, I love to build a good story, but I have to remember that this is also part of how do my players have fun, and that's the idea of them 
creating some of that narrative, them being able to build their character story and what happens in that story. And all of us together telling this story together, like that is a very exciting place for me. But again, as a GM, I have to think, how am I supplying this to those people in this group who really that's their that's their form of fun to get up and tell this great narrative, this great story. And so you have to leave space. And this is where as a GM, you don't want to become the guy who has, I have this idea of what the story is going to be and dang it, they're going that way no matter what. And I'm telling the story and they're just rolling dice to see how right, it works right. out. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that can lessen the fun greatly for mm-hmm. someone who is, gets fun from narrative. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Narrative is we're going to jump up in my, quotient the right word like the kind of go up um in this compared to to like fantasy um i think we've talked Mm -hmm. about story in our backstory stuff and in our like even two weeks ago or two episodes ago you know the storyteller kind of thing like we typically people take up gming for some some Mm -hmm. reason as we want to tell a story. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, that's part even that comes in, I guess all of these kind of do to the GMing role kind of feels mm-hmm. a little different with the types of fun, but like remembering that, like, we're there to have fun too. Sometimes, sometimes I forget that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to create this fun for everybody else. And like, it's not just needs, it doesn't just need to be work. Like it's, it's, this is fun also, you know, for, I'm always the for opposite. Us. I'm always thinking of this is fun for me. Oh wait, yeah. I've got to do something for other people. <laughs> <laughs> we balance each other out. That's fine. But the, uh, yeah, narrative is definitely a big one storytelling. Um, but I, I think that's a good, a really good point of just always remembering like that, that group collaboration, creating space for it. Um, and, uh, I, I think like, this is one where because I'm drawn to it as a player um, and it's probably a good word for all of them, honestly, to, to think through, but narrative is one where, because I love getting into a story so much that sometimes I also try to press that on to people mm-hmm. who maybe don't really don't care, care all that much. It's like, I'm here and like, this is cool, but like my, I, I, I don't want to flesh out, you know, the, the entire family tree of my character because, right. you know, and, um, all that kind of thing or, or tell more story than what's going on, like right here. And sometimes I'll try to like push a player to like, Hey, can you give me more? Or what do you think about this? And they're like, ah, I don't know, you know, and I need to remember, okay, that's not their bag. Some of this other stuff is, so let's yeah. move forward with those kind of things too. And um, and again, it's, it's identifying kind of what is their major fun and being right. sure to hit that with them, even though you kind of want to get some narrative in there. Don't press yeah. that so hard. Be sure to look at what else there is yeah. that they find enjoyment in. Yeah. All right. What's our, what's our four? fourth? Uh, yeah, the fourth one, um, halfway through here, uh, challenge, uh, challenge. They say challenge is an odd bird in RPGs and I, Adam, agree completely. This is like a <laughs> kind of interesting one. Um, many people play for the challenge of overcoming the obstacles with the tools that your character has, but challenge is very much an illusion in RPGs. It's the problem with having a human being as the GM. 
they need to make calls based on what they see as correct within the rules of the game, the setting, and a hundred other factors, <clears throat> both external and internal. So while something looks like a challenge in an RPG, it may really be more about discovery or expression, which we're going to get to later, or narrative, telling the story of how we overcame the thing. Now, if you're into finishing the story, that's challenge. If you're into setting up a situation and then letting it play out according to the rules, that's also challenge. But and I'll editorialize here a bit more than in the rest of this, RPGs are not the best kind of game if challenge is the fun you seek, if what you seek is for fun. So um, challenge is like, you know, again, we're like overcoming an obstacle, we're, we're getting over something or through something, meeting these challenges and and uh, winning them. Um, and I don't know, what do you think about that? Like what they're saying as far as like RPGs are concerned with like how you offer challenge and is it like, really a challenge or is it kind of just a mask of a challenge i guess yeah i mean think about it the difference between a video game level that you just it is so hard and you keep playing it over and over because you just want to beat that that's a challenge sort of fun and that's not it's like they said in the rpg it's not that kind of i'm going to throw myself against this until i can get it i, I just I need to accomplish this it's more along the way what are you learning and how are you growing that's typically the way it goes this doesn't mean that you can't have challenge in there so there are some gms who uh they they love this idea of running completely by the rule all the time and i'm just going to throw stuff out and sometimes it can be less challenging because these monsters just aren't very strong and they let that be exactly what it is and you overcome that and for some people that's fun like i i'm not saying this is uh, our friend eric bright but the time when he got on that wizard's way and was wiping out like 300 kobolds with a single you know whatever he was doing um fun right because yeah, right. uh there's like some power in that and that's an easy challenge to overcome uh or you may have the opposite where a gm throws out something that's way way too hard and everybody just gets like pounded by it mm -hmm. and uh for some people for some gms that's fun because i'm like you know and for some players it's like okay we went against this and like man just directly as the rules right. are we beat it and it was crazy and that might be fun for them um for other people that's you know less fun if you know seven of your eight in your party i guess eight's a pretty big party four of the <laughs> five in your party end up dying you know? right yeah, yeah. Uh, that doesn't necessarily feel as as strong a fun that's not saying it can't be and again it's harder for me to say this is how this fun looks as a challenge because that's not typically one of my higher ones right yeah. um, when i look at these uh i do want I do want to be facing something that has the danger of death in it. And I've talked about this in previous uh, episodes of this podcast. Uh, I don't want it to feel like, okay, we were losing and he just kind of fudged at the end. Hand of God right. came in and we, we beat it. You know, that yeah. is not fun for me. I do want there to be some challenge. So this does rate on there. I want it to be a challenge and I want us to really have to do it and decide maybe to run away or have some people get killed. Yeah. Right. I want that as part of my fun, but that's like not the most fun. If somebody says, hey, let's sit down to a game and this is the major component, that's not as big as an excitement as narrative and tactile right. and, you know, whatever else we may come across in here. So, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense to me. I uh, Josh uh, in the chat says, uh, can see the people who really enjoy combat as those who enjoy, quote, challenge. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely see that. Like, and it's what you're talking about of having to be, uh, there has to be like stakes yep. in that, or, or it's like, obviously not a challenge if it's just like, oh, well, this was just kind of thrown here, but there really was no reason <laughs> that's i can that's, see you know. i can see that kind of so okay we're talking about rpgs here that's kind of the the whole thing right. of this podcast but yeah. if you're just talking about gaming in general and mm-hmm. fun let's move this over to like a poker game okay. to me this is where challenge becomes like the fun and it mm-hmm. is in that game for me uh, it is about i do like the tactile of having like chips yeah. i've never right. gone to vegas or anything i just kind of have that set i bought at walmart and we play for a dollar <laughs> yeah. so i'm not like a high roller or a big game or anything <laughs> like that i do like the chips i do like touching them i like putting them in i like stacking them so that's that tactile thing but um a poker game where you just divide up chips among people and then you play and there's no stakes no fun yeah, There's no right. challenge in that. Who cares if you go all in and lose it all? It didn't yeah. cost anything. Yeah. Uh, that's why even though we only play like a dollar game, or let's say we're big and we play a $5 game tournament style, and whoever wins gets you know like half the pot and on and on. Uh, that idea that there is something to lose and the challenge of it that I could lose it all or I could win it all, like that is fun for me in poker. But somehow that does not translate to RPGs for me. So I can yeah, see that yeah, as a type yeah. of fun in some games. Yeah, I think uh, I wonder if somebody, if you kind of identify like one of your players or some of your players are challenge people, um, that idea of the stakes, I think is important of, and obviously you can't be like, I mean, in some cases, it's like the combat thing, like Josh said, anytime you go into a combat where you're fighting till the death, I guess there's a stake there of like, right. you could die, you know, kind of thing. Um, but some of that is like, uh, this may be a bigger thing than what I'm wanting to go into, but it's like, you almost have to do all these other things we've been talking about for a character, or it's kind of like the, the no buy-in poker game where it's like, Oh, I could just roll off another character. Like I, right. I, you know, if they die, what it's fine. I'll just, it's, not real, you know, kind of thing. And so there's some of that of like building in, making it uh, like tangible, like there's kind of like, this is like more real of like their story and there's hopes and dreams that this character has and there's things that they've been through. And now it's getting a little more uh, legitimate as far as like, what if I lose this? But I also kind of wonder um, what that could look like to create stakes in something, maybe like a specific encounter or like a mini arc, like adding, um, okay, you can lose something here. Like something, this is something you need to do. And if, if there's failure, um, then your character, like the party is going to lose something. You're going to lose something, something, something's going to be diminished because this doesn't go and actually like follow through on that. And I'm just kind of throwing out like a theoretical there, but it's like, I think that could help if you have a challenge oriented person to make sure that there's things like that in the game where the choices we make, you want them to matter always. But if we like fail at this thing or run away or don't get there quick enough, then the story is going to move on. The world's going to continue and this is going to be lost. So, um, yeah, that's kind it's, of a, uh, it's interesting because as we're thinking about this, I'm thinking games that have competition 
mm-hmm. more than cooperation, tend to be fun because of the challenge. You're playing right. poker right. against people. You're trying to win against them. You're right. competing. You're playing basketball. Your team is trying to beat these other teams. You're playing football. You know, those are group games, yeah. but you're competing against. Uh, in a game like D&D, it's a cooperative game, and you're kind of playing against the bad guys, but really everybody at the table, including the GM, we're all cooperating to build a story. And so it feels like maybe it's a little less. And so you would have to introduce what are some of these stakes? Mm -hmm. What is, you know, what is it that makes this fun? If somebody likes challenge as a, as a form of fun. Do you think, I I don't want to get hung up too long, but do you think uh, puzzles and riddles and trap kind of things are, fall into that like this is is an interesting thing for you all that are out there that maybe are challenge people like do those things as a gm a lot of times those things are like boring to me (laughs) just to be honest you know it's like oh this is kind of a thing to change the 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 tune of the way we're doing things hang them up for a little bit you know but it's like I, I don't know that it I'm trying to think if as a player, like when I've been like, man, I just like exhilarated by this. this Again, thing. I think it depends on the player, well, right? Yeah. You have some who love, who love puzzles and challenges and solving puzzles. And you have some who are like, come on, this is boring. I just want to get to the next combat. Yeah. I, I think I'm thinking now that that stuff may, may be more for me. Cause I, uh, so two things, your game, Dormant Mind, um, there was the Fey Gate thing. We had went through, we'd went through like kind of a Fey forest. I don't know if that was a different plane kind of walk or something, but we come to this gate and there was, there were the gems we had to cast spells into. Mm-hmm. And I did like a, I had like a piece of paper. I'm like inductively studying this thing to try to figure out, you know, like what, uh, you know, um, all that stuff. I think maybe that's the, what Josh is talking here, the Arafel puzzle. I don't know if that's that one, but yeah, trying to figure out like, okay, what is this term? What spell would that go with? And like, do we have these things? And I, I also would say the, there was another one in your game more recently. It was in the, uh, um, like the ice, um veil of frozen tears right frozen veil of tears um that we got stuck on for a very long time like multiple weeks we were working on it as we're like doing more exploration and uh i remember that's another one where i had like pages trying to break down this poem to see like okay what's the saying and is this connect and and so maybe there's a bit of challenge there for me right but it's almost yeah. like more player I'm pulling that out and doing stuff in real life, trying to actually logic things out. So um, maybe I am more interested in that than I think so. (laughs) Than you had originally thought. Yeah. Yeah. So challenge can be uh, a way that people have fun and maybe we even feel it more than we would know. Yeah. Let's go on to this next one. Uh, Fellowship. Fellowship. A lot of games are about being social, right? You got apples to apples, uh, cards against humanity. These are about bringing people together. Socializing is the activity, uh, and the activity is kind of secondary. 
and there is a win condition in those games, but really it's the humor, the experience, the camaraderie that happens that's more important. You don't like leave and say, we beat apples to apples. Man, we did it. We're <laughs> awesome. You know, it's more about like the social interaction that happens there. And, and RPGs are really good at this, right? We're, we're conversing constantly. We're interacting with each other. We're building bonds that... Um, often translate outside of the play. Uh, if gaming for you is more about the people and hanging out with your friends than it is about the other stuff, then uh, fellowship is your type of fun. And uh, I can pretty confidently say that one of the players in our group named Ben West, I'm calling you out, Ben West, <laughs> I think this is your style of fun because it just seems like Ben loves the idea of being with the guys on Thursday night. Um, and not that he doesn't love the other stuff, but he's he wants to kind of be there and hang out and be you know with people and uh i think that that feels pretty evident to me ben may respond and be like nope i hate you guys <laughs> but i feel like i feel like uh fellowship is one of the the big parts of what makes a game fun for him and, and i think it does for all of us i know that i enjoy those uh, but i think there's some people that that's higher and you can see and so as a gm you have to think okay um, they're not really about like becoming the most powerful whatever they are they're more about just like having the fun and hanging out and bringing food and sitting and like talking and doing crazy things together in that social experience right yeah 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 for sure i i feel like you have to have that to some extent right or you're not gonna want to ever get in a room with other people to <laughs> do, i mean like like right True. like there's probably if you're drawn to this a group game but definitely i i was thinking of of like i i would agree about what you said about ben so ben you can correct us like matthew said but um uh i i would say it's like a gm um this one actually i struggle with players not calling you out ben but the uh like when players are like high fellowship but the other stuff's not as high um it's similar to like the when people don't have a narrative like really in their blood kind of thing it's like uh that's that's okay but i like this other stuff um i may be more challenged and tactile and and kind of thing i struggle a little bit with that because i always want to draw them in more to stuff and they're like, no, I'm cool, man. Like, yeah, we're together. We got pizza. Like, we're hanging out for these hours. And, and like, I have to remember, like, okay, everybody has fun in different ways. And I don't need to press my, like, <laughs> way of, of having fun, even though fellowship is super important to me and, like, the friendship right. that we have within that. Um, that that's so I have to just kind of playing off of that. Um, so I do think that as a GM, you can think, oh, okay, maybe it is important to have food and snacks around here and have, you know, uh, a time where we have that opening, you know, talk before we start playing uh, for this person. But then you also have to be careful not to press that onto the other guy who is fellowship is just not it for him. And I've been in games. So what's hard about this is we're thinking constantly in our gaming experience, which is a group of friends. Uh, but I've been in groups where people kind of get together because it's a club uh, or because, you know, they're, I guess, conventions. I haven't been to conventions, uh, but you get people who come in and their their idea is challenge. I'm going to I'm going to be better than everybody or I want to be the best player there is or I love these little things and digit, but I don't really want to hang out and talk with all of you and I don't want to be like chummy chummy. And so 
I guess there are GMs that have to think, okay, how do I not press too much of this on him? Because we all love the social aspect. Again, with each of these, where is their fun? And his may not be there. So for him, I need to get the dice and I need to get the, you know, the narrative, but I need to like not be trying to push on him. Hey, you know, have some more pizza and talk. What happened? What's going on in your family? And they're like, leave me alone. <laughs> so yeah, there's some good be. stuff looking at, you know, back at, um, lights, camera, action, you know, the, the first one we talked about, about the, uh, entertainer, right. I think it, I think it was the entertainer where we talked about like the social hour or like having that, there is a time to like have those conversations. Not that they can't, you know, again, there's flexibility and all this stuff, but maybe, okay. Yeah. There's this time at the beginning where we're all kind of getting set and we're like passing around the food and talking about how's your week, you know, and those things I think are important, but like you said, for the other people that maybe aren't as like, they're kind of ready to go. All right. There's a set time. We're going to be sure we're playing by of course, seven o'clock. You know, we're all biased. We're like, you know, okay, maybe you came to a club for D and D, but you came because you want to have people who enjoy the right. same things. And so I think we would each say, we feel like even if that's not like their biggest fun, we need to pull them into that. Right. Yeah. 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 A bit. yeah. Give, give <laughs> options for, you know, that to actually right. happen and stuff. But so. like you said, it is good to like, remember, Hey, let's start at a reasonable time. Cause maybe they don't want to sit here and talk for like an hour. They want right. to get to gaming. So. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. All right. What's the next one? Um, so the next one is discovery. Um, this is another area where RPGs excel. They say, uh, being excited by what's behind the next door, What's in the next hex? What's on that flash drive that you just stole? It's all about discovery. If you want to see what's around the corner or just over the horizon, then you find your fun in discovery. Um, earlier, it was mentioned that discovery was in relation... Earlier, they they mentioned discovery in relation to challenge. Sometimes the discovery is about how to overcome the problem at hand. Um, and they say the reason they don't think of it as a challenge and more as discovery is because when you can't overcome the obstacle or you don't find the solution, the narrative and the game grind to a halt. Uh, he says, to me, that means challenge isn't really what we're looking for, but rather a way to discover a solution or at least discover how you die. <laughs> I, I do love watching people walk into the green devil mouth in the tomb of horrors and discover that they're dead. <laughs> so, that, that, by the way, is tomb of horrors. That's a killer game. Uh, that's never a bad, played it. Yeah, that's, that's a harsh, That's it is meant to kill you um there's so many ways to just completely <laughs> kill characters all over the place yeah, in there yeah. it, it's what's great about it is it really throws the fear of of uh god into people like just sticking their hands in the holes and jumping into things and touching things that they shouldn't yeah. after they come out of that game they're a lot more cautious yeah right right <laughs> yeah i uh discovery drives me pretty hard uh i'll i'll say that like i yeah. and i i think like for a long time I didn't rank it as high, but especially when I'm looking at this, I'm like, <sighs> I'm so sorry because as a GM, I'm like, guys, can y'all please just stay together? Like, please, please <laughs> stay together. And but as uh, a player. Yeah. But as a player, I love checking out what's around that corner and slipping yep. off while everybody else is doing something else. Oh, you're going that There's way. There's a reason why he was always way. called the Ranger. <laughs> yeah i started a ranger and i have always been a ranger just in different even lives. when he's playing other classes yeah, he's a yeah. ranger <laughs> which probably goes together with 
the fact that I revealed that I like my thing is that I die, you know, also is uh, there's probably two different things. There. You have discovered I, lots of ways that you would die. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was alone when the giant smote me to the ground and uh, I probably was alone when the crocodile killed me. You ran in on the worm by yourself with the axe handle that was arrested. I, I also, <laughs> I think I ran into that room and threw the sword that cut my own head off. So I, you know, it's like all these things are yeah. starting to understand myself better. So it's, uh, it's good. <laughs> but yeah, discovery, I, I do love that stuff. Like, and I think it's part of that, like populating of the world that I love is doing as a player and love to see when players do it as a GM, but it's like, what's around what's around the river bend, you know, like what's over that hill, what's, what's across the water, what's in that next room or like in this chest or those, what's in this book, which is like the worst as a GM when you're like, yeah, there's a bunch of books. And like, I want to read all of them. What do they all have to say? <laughs> but I'm also that person where I'm like, what do I find in this? And you know, that, yeah. that stuff is, is really fun for me. Yeah. For me, I think the discovery aspect takes on the joy of discovering who I'm going to become, what I could become. Yeah. Um, like I have all these like ideas and thoughts about like how I could grow and become. And it's like yeah. realizing those that might kind of fall in the narrative a little bit, but yeah. No, I think that's cool. Yeah. Like thinking about, yeah, what, what's going to happen. Um, whether that's a thing or, or a character. Yeah. I think that's cool. Let's go with this next one, expression. Uh, this is an element that almost all encompassing in RPGs again, right? Expressions about story creation and self-expression. We bring a bit of ourselves to the game table when we play, and we leave ourselves in those stories and that we helped create through characters that we've come up with. Uh, we've worked through any obstacles that arose in those and uh, the other... Uh, other pieces that help that we help create during a session. If you like to be creative, leave your mark on a game, then your fun is about expression. This one I can say is super high for me. Um, everything from the voice, because it creates the character, which creates the memory, which is create. I, I love expressing myself and my yeah. thoughts and my creativity. That's a huge one for me. And in all aspects, from the way the character's mechanic works, I want it to be an expression of me to the way his voice is, to the way he looks, to the stories that get told. I love the expression part. Uh, for me, that's that that might be my my biggest. Um, as yeah. I go through there, I love I love the story when I get to express it. You know, right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> when yeah. I get to express myself in it, sort mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah i I think that's high higher for me but not as high as uh, some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do, I think like that idea of like making your mark, um, I, I love to be able to throw my own, as a player, my own like plot hook into a game um, or like the way backstories can connect to try to like throw out just things to grab onto for the GM as well. Um, yeah. Or just like in the moment, you know, I, I love those games where we were talking before we went live, but where there's like kind of a general, like you come across this type of thing. And then as a group, maybe you can figure out like what it is or, or like when the GM, you know, asks like, well, what, what is this, what does this look like, you know, to, to a player so they can explain that. Like, I really like when that happens. So I think that's the kind of the expression, how it comes out for me in that too. 
And that's how, as a GM, you can be aware of, you have players who expression is like their joy in games. Give them chances to, to build it. Give them chances to be that character. Give them chances to role play. Give them chances to, you know, add to the story, a twist, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the last one is uh, submission. Um, and I think the best way that I can uh, explain that would be like kind of the ritual of the thing. Right. Um, like we're, you know, it's the every Thursday night. That's our plan is that from this time to this time, we're going to we're going to play like we it's on the schedule. You know, like I have that blocked out um, and only very few things can get in the way of, that. <laughs> you know, right. um, it's uh, like not it's yeah it's very much like part of the week kind of thing or um also they talk about um this this type of fun is about like being consistent yeah like consistency is is like the fun part so the campaign and the game night as an event that's regularly attended the enjoyment of knowing you have that night of the week or monthly weekend game session with your friends those are elements that make up the fun of submission um, the ritual of gathering together, they say, if you find solace in that, then being a part of the ongoing event is where you find your fun. This is one I don't know. I've ever really like thought too hard about like this being fun. So I don't really know. I don't know how to speak into that personally. I do. I enjoy when I have pieces of my week. Like I feel like in Matthew, probably you you can speak into it. You probably feel this a little bit. We have a lot of like flexibility in what we do. So I think like there's a lot of like shifting for me, at least there's a lot of shifting aspects through the week where I'm like, I don't know for sure where I'm going to be. Am I going to be in my office? I'm going to be on campus. Am I going to be driving a student to the grocery store? Like what, what does that look like at this point in the day? But when I have things that are like, this is a solid, like fixed point in time that I know this is a thing going on. There is something really comforting and like re kind of calibrating for me of like, okay, Thursday nights, I know where I'm going to be, you know, and there, there's other things like that in my week, but um, I don't know if you feel that at all, but I, I feel that I never thought of it in terms of like fun. More this is like uh, this is an old old <laughs> comic strip of uh, two little fish coming upon an older fish, and the older fish says, "Hey boys, how's the water?" And then he swims on, and the two fish are like, "What's water?" Right, because they don't even recognize they're in it all the time. They don't even like think about the fact that there's not right. water. Uh, I think that's how this kind of fun is for us. I think it's there uh, yeah. for for us. But we hardly even recognize it because it's just so solid apart. Right. And so I think you have groups um, that this is really important to. And, you know, we look back, we've been doing this since 2004. That's 20 years of gaming, yeah. pretty much every Thursday. And, you know, sometimes we switched it to Monday. And, you yeah. know, there are times you have to call that off in the summer. But we have this, like, we know we're going to be doing this for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. I have um, other people I know in my life that they get together occasionally with friends uh, and they want to do it maybe once or twice a semester or they do it, you know, here and there, but they feel pretty okay calling it off for whatever comes up. Yeah. Uh, and for them, 
this sort of thing is not part of the fun. For us, mm-hmm. there is something to that longevity. And I think Eric and Evan would be in, you know, Eric moved away, and yet you still game with him every right. or every yeah, other every Monday. You, on a regular basis, you have this kind of thing. And I think uh, for groups that stick together for a long time, this is that water kind of aspect of fun. It's like, how's yeah, the water today? Right. What, what's water? You know, you know, this is just what we do. Yeah. But... It's, it's such an important piece that I think that that can be, it is weird, like you said, to think of this as, quote, fun. Right. But at the same time, uh, I know I love, we, when we're thinking of, I'm thinking of events that happen with uh, our work. We have these, you know, bash weeks where events happen at night. And I'm always like, oh, man, I hope we don't do something on Thursday because that's, that's my night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I'm planning vacations, I'm like, are we going to be gone on Thursday? Yeah. You know, this kind of thing enters right. my mind as yeah. an important part. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, I, I wonder, and I'm like philosophizing here, but I wonder if sub, the way that the submission kind of place piece plays out it does affect, I think for me, it affects the type of fun that I end up engaging in looking at these eight. Mm-hmm. So like for us, it's like, okay, every Thursday, nearly every Thursday we're, we're doing this. It's a lot easier for me to engage in, um, like, uh, sorry, uh, the narrative, like it's easier for me to jump into the narrative aspect and the, the, maybe the fantasy part of like, this is an ongoing thing that we're doing. There's other games that I love. I love jumping in and doing like a one shot or it's like, Hey, we're going to do this little mini arc over the course of the next year. We're going to play like four times when we can get together. And I enjoy doing that. And I love that for like part of that's fellowship where it's like, okay, these are people I don't get to hang with that often. So we get to be around the table. We get to spend time together, maybe have a meal with that. Um, And I feel like expression comes out in that a little more where it's like, all right, I don't really have time. Nobody has time for like Adam to build this huge narrative in the middle of, you know, a two hour session that we have every two months, but I'm going to get real expressive with, you know, the way my character plays out or something. Um, Some of the stuff like the, the sensory is going to happen regardless. But I I wonder if like, even the way that submission idea, the the ritual of the thing, or just the consistency of the game uh, sessions that we have, like maybe even like flows those eight types of fun for us. And it just comes out in different ways. I do like that word ritual mm-hmm. as a way of fun more than submission. Yeah. yeah. It makes more sense to me. Yeah. yeah so uh, they, they wrap this article up by saying that these are not on or off switches. They're dials, right? You got an amp with a bunch of dials on it. You turn each each dial up uh, to a certain place, and that's like your mix uh, of fun. And so just real quick, glancing back over this, and we've kind of said it throughout, what's your, what's your, what's your highs? What's your mix? Um, what are the things that for you? Because it's not one. It's a few. Right, right. What are they for you? For me, narrative's big. Sensation's big. Discovery's big. Uh, submission, like you said, is there, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think expression's lower, but not 
low, low, um, challenge is lower and fantasy is pretty low for the sake, but, but I'm still engaging in a game where you do fantastical things. So it's can't be too low. You know, that that's those three though. I mentioned like discovery narrative, uh, fellowship. I don't even know if I said those, those are the three sensations big, but like I, I am about fellowship. So the, those three, I think were for me, sorry, that was all over the place, but how about you? <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, I picture it like a soundboard. I set everything at unity and then I yeah. either push it up or pull right. it down. Yeah. Um, and for me, probably uh, challenge and fantasy are pulled down a little bit. They're, they're there. They're not off, uh, but expression and narrative are definitely the two highest with uh, being able to touch things, roll dice, move minis yeah. being another, like probably the third highest. Uh, those are my, those are the things that get pushed up on my board of fun. Uh, if I can express myself, uh, tell a good story and play with minis, I'm, I'm good. Even if the fantasy aspect is there or not, even if the uh, whatever discovery, I'm sure, it, you know, that's a good part of it. <laughs> if I'm telling a story and expressing myself and getting yeah. to touch things, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's really good to um, like it, know ourselves, obviously, like I think that help, is helpful even as like uh, eventually there'll be a time where maybe we talk about player, uh, like maybe some good best practices or something as a player to help come to the table in a good way. But um, uh, for GMing, I, I do think it's really important to know know the people around your table. And it doesn't hurt to jot those down and keep yeah. that in front of yeah. you. Yeah, ben likes sure. hanging out. Matthew yeah. likes telling stories mm -hmm. uh, and doing voices. Yeah. Uh, Chris likes, you know, and then on around. Right. And then yeah. glancing down occasionally at that, being mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, how do I play to that for this yeah. guy? Yeah, for sure. Like creating space for those things, um, not, not uh, beating your head against a wall when you're like trying to force somebody to have fun in a way that they don't care about, you know, um, right. that's important. Um, when Adam goes wandering off down the corridor, you know, okay, he's just trying to discover some things. He'll be back kind of deal. Um, and play into that, play into yeah, his discovery. Right. Yeah. So that, I think that's, those are really helpful and it's, it's a good tool as the GM to, to sit at the table with. All right. Well, uh, Eight types of fun. You guys tell us what's fun for you. You guys tell us if you think about making fun for others. Yeah. We're going to move on to our NPC of the day here. Um, and Adam's going to do that. So Adam, who's our NPC that you could drop into a campaign if you just yeah. need this? This is Patience Wit, the feral gang leader. Um, this is a young girl smudged with dirt. Patience blends in on the streets or at the textile house where she works. Her long tangled hair and moth-eaten oversized men's shirt constantly knock loose items to the floor as she walks. Above her left eye is a vivid scar. Um, she is trusulent and uncommunicative with anyone she doesn't trust. That is to say, anyone not in her urchin gang. Um, her personality, patience is independent, responsible, and tough. She demonstrates extreme maturity for her age. However, she's also savage and merciless with a passionate belief that might take makes right. Um, her motivations are that she's protective of her urchin gang, 
that the charges that are under her, she protects and cares about deeply. Patience wants the best she can manage for them. So she needs to grab all the power and money that she can. Um, she, the reason for this is in an urchin gang, almost since she was born, Patience knows no other way of life other than their constant struggle. Under her leadership, the gang has expanded rapidly. With her steady hand, the gang has earned many things, among them numerous enemies and a reputation for ruthlessness. After another gang le leader put a price on her head, Patience took a job in a textile mill to lie low and avoid suspicion. She uses her wages to supplement the gang's meager income. Viewing this new environment with the eyes of a predator, she's already begun to make future plans. This patient's yeah. wit. Her her quote is, quit playing around, finish him off, grab the goods, let's get out of here. So you got this ruthless little uh, kid. I, yeah. I picture a cross <laughs> between uh, Newsies, right? You remember yeah, all those uh, boys uh, who were like <laughs> in that musical? Yeah. And uh, that that pin uh, that you always see for Les Miserables, is that the, the girl? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I know that, that that play is not about urchins that are like yeah. in a gang or something, but like right. that sort of thing. You got this tough girl who's smart, who is distrustful of people. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, who, who might be like laying low because she's smart, but she's still got her eye open for what she can do and she won't hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would be pretty like, I think I'd be tempted to maybe soften her a little more. I don't know if that's like not doing her justice. I I liked her until I read that quote. <laughs> it's like, finish him off, get the goods. You know, it's like that, that like pushed it a little bit. I know they're talking about like her being ruthless, but I think you can be ruthless maybe in ways that's not like killing whoever they're talking about killing is what that, that sounds like to me, you know, and <laughs> yeah. again, maybe that's not doing the, the character justice, but I, I feel like it would almost need to be more softened than to create like a, I don't, I wouldn't want to make her a villain, you know, and I think she would be a villain if she's out there killing people in my opinion. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Is that, does that make sense to me, to you? I could see playing her as someone who, because of the roughness of life has less value on yeah. people's lives. Yeah. And you come into contact with her and you have to kind of battle that. And maybe there's this begrudging respect that starts to happen because of who you guys are and what you stand for, but she's still yeah. the rougher side. And um, like, that's her tendency is to kind of right. lean that way, but you, maybe you don't see it because yeah, you don't want your like your uh, party to begin to like, Okay, we're going to plot against her. Right. It's more yeah. like we want to help pull her out of this bad life that's got her so hardened, yeah. and uh, maybe give her something, give her something to keep keep her from having to be that. Right, right. You know. Yeah. So, so you try to get things for her. You try to get like some comfort for her group, <laughs> whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. I definitely feel like you, if you're doing some like urban things, you're gonna you could come across her pretty easily. Um, or like some of her gang, I almost like what it fleshes out for me more is like a hierarchy of a gang network of pickpockets. Network, yeah, networks are really good. Network of pickpockets. These these uh, kids, these urchins. Um, there is a movie, and I cannot remember what it is, but I have like a scene in my head of all these urchins like working together, and it's like not there, but it'll it'll come eventually, maybe. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I like, I always like urchins. I, I feel like that has come like, uh, out for me a lot. It's like the tavern down by the water and there's gotta be some urchins involved, you know, kind of thing. And <laughs> you're falling into Adam's yeah. like ideal category, yeah, ideal scenes. This is made for me. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I, I like the, um, idea of like the downtrodden person that's like also an informant you know can kind of be a part of the the pcs lives that way um uh, i like the idea of these these kids who are operating but they're they're below the scope of the thieves guild but they're like more menacing than just like kids that you would see playing along the street they they are this network of pickpockets who will do harm to you if you get in the way of them securing what they need and their whole thing is loyalty to each other making each other like uh uh, able to survive in this city yeah yeah i almost like i can play josh throws up master of whispers from uh game of thrones um which i don't think adam has watched but like Mm -hmm. uh yeah, he uh, he has this whole network of kids who are his eyes and his ears and oh, do nice. the things. They're all children. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. That's right, really cool. From the Game of Thrones. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I there's a piece of me that wants to go uh, like Peter Panish here. Yeah, with her, you know, of I mean, like a dark, uh, maybe a little more dark and ruthless way, but like she's Tinkerbell. Uh, Tinkerbell's not afraid. Yeah, to that's kill true. Wendy. That's true. That is true. <laughs> actually, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like, I like that being part of the, the like population of like a city that you're doing stuff in to have, have that kind of group there. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and good to, they're, they're handy to throw these NPCs in who basically kind of see and hear everything and are ubiquitous, but also hidden, you know, yeah, that that can be easily used in a lot of different campaign settings, you know, throw in some urchins and then you, you begin to find out there's a lot more urchins than you quickly, (laughs) than you initially realized when you looked out and saw two kids in the marketplace over here and you thought they were just poor kids. Oh no, they're part of something bigger and now they're helping you move through your campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I, those are fun. Um, sorry, jumping in again. To, I, I like, I think that'd be fun as like a roguish player. Like if you're, you're playing a rogue, maybe you're a thief or something and you're like seeing these kids make hits in the marketplace of like pickpocketing people. Um, there's a, we watched the other day, we watched uh, the movie, the Italian job again. I don't know if you, you guys have seen this, but like, uh, there's a scene where uh, it's a uh, it's Marky Mark, right? Yeah, Mark Mark. Um, he's like talking about it's obviously not Marky Mark in the movie, but he's a. Uh, I love how we uh, don't even refer to him as Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> we call him Marky Mark because we're from that it's age. Showing our age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, but his character his character is showing, uh, or there's like a flashback of like how he got started as a thief, and it's like in their school. And all these kids are like the bully, like is slams a kid up against the the lockers and takes his lunch money. And as he's walking away, it's like the the Mark Mark Wahlberg's character, the kid, is like 
all right, you know, the plan and like all these kids, like a kid like falls on the floor and the bully kind of trips over him. And then another kid like throws a, a ball down the hallway and he kind of spins around that. And another kid bumps into him and knocks all the books out. And as he's like, oh, what are you doing, kid? Uh, Marky Marks, you know, the child actor is like, just kind of walks up and snags his wallet out of his pocket and they just all walk off. And I'm, I'm thinking about like that kind of a thing, particularly for like a rogue character who could be like intrigued by, um, you know, a way to kind of pull them into this stuff going on. Probably don't want to do that for the paladin. You know, they're going to get picked <laughs> off and that, but maybe the rogue is like, huh. Like, or this could also be the the spoiler, right? The rogue is planning to like pickpocket, take something from somebody. And every time just before he gets there, this little kid kind of bustles between him. And then yeah. he's like rifling through pockets and there's nothing there. And he's trying not to get caught. And he's like, what the heck? And it's these, these yeah. kids keep beating him to the snap. I, I like that. One yeah. step ahead. Yep. I like that a lot. It's also a way to like keep loot out of their hands. But no, <laughs> no I, I like that. I like that for sure. So we're well, cool. Hey, do we have any Haversack questions yeah. for this week? I know we we might not have gotten any new ones, but I think we had some backlogs, right? Yeah, we have a couple left. Um, last week, uh, Evan Bright had asked us a few things. We talked about um, an example of a house rule that we used, and we also talked about um, starting a like to design the campaign setting and like starting local and things. And actually. I had a little bit of conversation with Evan over the course of this week after our talk on Monday. And um, I do want to bring that up too, um, but I wasn't quite prepped. So here, here we go. Um, he said um, that uh, one, I brought up the escalation die. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, he said that is actually from, it's part of a game called 13th age. I um, remember which, 13th yeah, age. We, yes. we played that a while ago, like so long ago, I can't remember much of anything, but I remember that we touched the game and that feature came out of that. It's a good and I feature. Guess, I guess like I, I remember to have using that in Pathfinder. So we must have at some point brought yeah. that in to do that. So he he pointed that out. Um and then he he had a comment on character development after what we talked about. Um he said that like working with each player to establish a, a short term and a long term character goal could be a yeah. good help. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really good. He said GM can set up adventure hooks or adventure rewards to progress those goals. In addition to what interest the party has as a whole goals may shift as the campaign progresses. So it would require like occasional check-ins for those things. But I really liked that idea of like, what is your short-term goal? What is your long-term goal? And then as the GM, like, okay, this like, isn't too close. This isn't too close to reality. What's your five-year goal, your 10-year yeah. goal, and your lifetime goal? You're yeah. like, I don't need a wife and kids. I do this all the time <laughs> in my regular life. <laughs> so yeah, suspend the disbelief with it. But um, I thought those were really good. Um, like he, that comment that he made, I thought that was well worth saying of like yeah. talking to your group individually, like what, what are the goals of your character and kind of thinking about it. But we did have two more questions from Evan that we didn't get to last time. Let's hear them. Um, first one is this. Uh, what... Which bookkeeping tasks, if any, do your players assist with at your table? Map making, note taking, battle tracking, et cetera. This is, we kind of had a conversation about this a few episodes ago, and he was wondering what that looks like for us. For me, and I think I said this last episode, for me, my one of the big tasks that I rely on is I love telling the story 
and I don't want to have to be bothered with all of the technical rule parts, but I love to be like, Hey, can you look that up and see what it, what does it mean to be, you know, underwater for 10 minutes? You know, when do they die? (laughs) You, uh, you look up this rule, tell me how concentration is going to work in this, you know, and then I go on telling the story and I let people kind of do that. That task is very helpful for me. Uh, I typically draw my own maps Mm -hmm. and get my own maps because I love the ta-da, hey, here's a big thing. Boom. I don't want anybody to know about it before me. I want to unveil. That's part of the fun fun for me as a GM. Uh, But note-taking, oh my goodness, do we rely on certain people for note-taking and bursting the the goods, right? right. (laughs) Whether I'm a player or a GM, uh, I always rely on somebody to be taking notes, and it's usually Adam or Josh in in the current game we're in, uh, and and bursting. Uh, I would say in the current game we're in, that's like been Brandon or it used to be Brandon. I think Josh does that some too. Josh is basically just a note guy; he takes care of all that stuff. But very helpful. Uh, I'm always the one. that's like, well, what did we get? I know I got something. Right? How much of that was mine? Uh, what happened last time? Can somebody remind me? And I love like kind of offloading those. How about you, Adam? Yeah, uh, I. Vast majority, similar answer. Um, I I don't know that, I don't think I ever walk in and am like, I want, I need this to be done by anybody like that. I don't think that's just, I don't think either one of us like formally, it's more in the moment kind of thing. But if I have a note taker, that's amazing. Yeah. Like I try to take notes, but there are those moments where it's like, I made up a knuckles scuttlebutt, the gnome, <laughs> artificer in the moment because somebody needed to talk to him and it's like i'm never going to remember that as we have this conversation and then move on to a thing it's like what's his name uh and everybody always will fall in love with that person (laughs) that you don't remember you don't remember and it's like uh uh, yeah Uh, so he him he's great (laughs) when people take notes uh that's a that's a huge help to have a player who takes notes um i do uh there's been times where I've had people do initiative, like they will run the initiative. Um, and that, that can be helpful if you're, if you're bobbling a lot of things that can be nice. Um, or, or at least be the person who's like, Hey, you're, you're next, you know, like to like remind everybody, like, let's keep it moving. Um, trying to think the burst nation stuff. Yeah. Which is like the divvying up of treasure. Um, oh, there was one that, uh, this may be outside of this question, but, um, and I think it's something we could talk about in future episodes too, but like that idea of, okay, this person can't come this week, but we're going to go ahead and play. And like, what do you do with that character? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that in different ways. Like sometimes I just run it. Um, uh, sometimes another player runs that person. Um, it's funny to me that you ask this cause I, I was just talking with someone here in my office about that. And I just saw like this uh, Reddit, this Reddit string about what do you do when your players have to be gone? And so I've just been talking a lot about this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I started with your example, Adam, we had a player who would have to go leave in the middle. We would start playing at five in the afternoon and we'd play till five in the morning because we were idiots when we were all single (laughs) and we did that. Uh, But Adam had the, had this job where he would go clean two different laundromats. Right. And it would take him maybe an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but uh, we always had to have this like reason why is he just here? And then he's not here. And so he was apprenticed to some, 
wizard who uh, had a ring on him that at any moment he could summon him and he would just boop, he'd be gone. And so that's what would happen. He would be summoned. And no matter what we're doing, fighting, talking, whatever, he's just gone. And we played that as part of the story. And then all of a sudden he pops back when he gets back in town, you know, and and here he goes. Uh, So that was like my original, like, oh, how how do we deal with this? And that wasn't even my, they, they, came up with that before I got there. Uh, but uh, some people, uh, I a lot of people in this thread would, uh, you know, they had, so that this this character loved, and I forget what they even called him. I'm just going to call him Big B Spoiled Beans or something like that. <laughs> there, there was actually a name, but they're, they're known to cause high levels of uh, intestinal distress. And so they got this, uh, you know, we have a portable fortress right now, but they have a port, they had a portable porta potty. And this guy, like, he he would eat this stuff and they just couldn't stop him and occasionally it would just he was stuck in the porta potty and so they could knock on the door and ask him like questions so like they could have his information but he could not you know do anything he couldn't be yeah. casting spells he couldn't be fighting because he was in the portable porta potty like hilarious. with you know the distress going on and that's the way they would deal with this character who regularly kind of had to he didn't know if he would be there or not and so. And and I heard that more than once in this Reddit yeah, thread. So that's, that's hilarious. interesting. The uh, we didn't we didn't get into it last time. I think it was from the last uh, topic, but in that uh, focal point, um, when they talk about they they talk about that idea too. And I don't I don't think we touched it too much last episode, but uh, they um, sorry I've lost what I'm saying. The uh, <laughs> They have a, a thing almost like what do you do like that was a thing that they recommended even like having like almost written like written down of like okay uh like torgan's not going to be here this week what what do you do like does he get whisked away by the wizard does he just kind of fade to the background and and even talking about like preference you know like somebody may be like i really don't want you to know about my character so i'd like you to not put them in the hands of another player like right. maybe there's some secret things. It's like, well, let's not pass that over. Um, or uh, I don't really care. Have them play them. If they die, I'm going to be mad. But otherwise, you know, like th- those kind of things being marked out. So I, I think that's like worth. I, for a long time, we didn't like if somebody wasn't going to be there, it was just like, oh, I guess we're not playing. I feel like we did that for a long time where it was like if somebody couldn't make it, we just didn't do it. And recently more recently we've like went ahead and played just to keep it going if someone can't um but i think it's it's worthwhile here's two that i love Um, i had a suit of armor that uh, the wearer could go into and it was an extra dimensional space and so it was basically this breastplate and the, the players would just carry this breastplate around but like he would like regularly just pop into that yep. interdimensional space, <laughs> bamf into his armor. And that's where he was for the evening. But my favorite uh, that I would probably love to go, this wasn't uh, a reason if people weren't there, but I, I had uh, something happen to a couple of our players where uh, they could lose their form. They just lose all form yeah, and become a goo. Right. And they had to concentrate hard not to be a goo. And Josh, one of our players, like could not do it. He was just like this goo for a long time. Uh, but like have something like that where the party is, you know, be set upon by a wizard who puts a curse on him. Right. And uh, occasionally 
one of them just will not be able to hold themselves together. And so they turn into this goo and they have to be carried in a little vial for yeah. the remainder of that right, game. Yeah, and yeah. Like that can strike at any time. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Josh's thoughts on that whole goo episode were this. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> and that made it more fun for me because he just kept rolling horribly. <laughs> Shitty is that hero point. Oh my goodness. That's a, Oh, do we oh, have yeah. any other, any other he, questions? One other thing he said right before that is he's got a PDF, uh, which I've seen that before too. It lists different reasons for people to be gone. That's a good, that's a good help. So um, maybe he'll put the name of it up in there and uh, let us know. We can share that with people, but uh, yeah, the other question uh, that Evan had, um, which is a really good one is like, what's your medium of choice for your notes to run the night session? Um, tab binder, note cards, specific software. Um, that's changed for me over time. Um, but there's two like elements for me that I found to be super helpful, whatever they are. And one is my, this is what I'm hoping to accomplish those high points. We talked about the script that you come in with, whether it's massive amounts of information or whether it's the jotted down notes on a napkin, you know, like whatever that is, I need to have that coming in. Um, and that one is like right now for me, we're running 5e, D&D 5e. Uh, so D&D Beyond is what we're, you know, running our campaign through with the characters and everything. And there is a, a GM notes section that's private. Um, and I can every week, uh, what I'm doing is I'm writing those, that script, the high points, the, like, this is what I'm hoping we're going to move through. Um, but then I have a, another document and it's looked different ways right now for me, I have a Google doc that says Jade masks. Like it's the Jade masks, Google doc for me. And what I do every time is, um, there's some backstory stuff in there, background. I have some info about the characters. Um, that were given to me prior. Um, but every time when we get done, I just cut, I go in, I select all the stuff that we actually did out of D&D Beyond, cut it, drop it in the bottom of the Jade Mask so I can go back and look and be like, okay, we're back at Bullen's. Uh, what's that guy's name again? This actually happened last week. They're like, yeah, the Enchanter from Bullen's. And I'm like, man, I loved that guy, but I can't remember his name. I'm like, scroll, 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 scroll. H.W. Wilburton. Yeah, he's the guy like, you know, and so having that, that's been helpful for me is like, this is my working document. This is the refer to later or like if I'm like in a in a planning session, I can go back through and look at these things. Um, I make some notes about like major people or hanging events. You know, there's a hag that's kind of still out there in my game. Maybe she's never going to interact with them again. Maybe she's tracking them constantly. I don't know, you know, and, um, but she's out there. I have kind of a list of that too, but that falls in that document too. So I work off those two and I think they could look differently, but it could be on paper. It could be, you know, locally on your computer or whatever that be, but that's, that's how I'm working right now. I, uh, I had an app that I truly loved. Uh, I don't always use it, but uh, and I wish I could share my iPad screen. <laughs> I don't know if can you, uh, that's probably not going to be very good. It's called Game Master. And you have down at the bottom here, you have different, uh, you have the campaigns. So you can have multiple campaigns going at once. 
and everything just stays in that campaign. You can you have a compendium which has all of the rules or like the big rules for like 5e and you can click on any one of those and it just pops it up and that's handy. And then you have encounters. Uh, and so you go into a campaign. If I go into like my dormant mind campaign, when I started, here's the campaign. And then each of these down here is a part of an arc. And when I click on one of those, uh, it brings up different chapters in that arc and I can click on one of those and it brings up all the stat blocks, uh, for the enemies that are in there and you can scroll across and you can also have the players in there. You can also have pictures. You can also have notes, a lot of stuff that you can keep and it's all super handy and super easy to find. You don't have to scroll, 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 scroll. You can go, uh, it's more like a, um, uh, what do you call uh, an outline where you have like your main headings and then you click on those and it takes you to subheadings and you click on those and it takes you to chapters and you click on those and it takes you to characters and you can easily see. I love that software, but uh, that does mean that you're building stuff in there a lot. And my problem was I wanted to use this other piece of software I had called Combat Manager to make like on the fly stat blocks that I used a lot. Again, this is the sort of thing that once we started doing stuff with Roll20, then you could just do a lot of that in there. I haven't done a lot in Roll20 because I haven't, I don't pay for the subscription of whatever the, the game masters can use. Uh, my, my most often used um, notes for a session are, I write lots of stuff in random journals and notebooks and napkins, and then I can never find them, but I have them with me at the time of the game. And then later when people say, what was this? And I'm like, I don't know. I've got like seven journals laying around here and on some random page in amongst my other thoughts, I wrote some really cool stuff about this. <laughs> so my organization level is not nearly as high as most, even though that app I showed you looks really good and is super organized. And I think people who are super organized would love that Game Master app. I think it's just called Game Master uh, on an iPad. I don't know if they have a, an Android version of that or not, but that's really good if you're super organized. If yeah. you're like me, uh, wherever inspiration strikes, you write it down, and then you hope you have that with you in front of the computer, and you have some other stuff. I have like this. I have, Mine is so cobbled, uh, and that typically – is the way that I run a session. And then in getting back to it, I rely on those note takers. Remember I said yeah, yeah. note takers, <laughs> mm -hmm. even going back through my campaign, Adam made this poster with all of the great landmarks that happened in the dormant mind. And I go to him regularly. I'm like, Oh, wait, let's, let's kind of remember what happened there. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. So I don't know if that's the best way, but that's the way some of us do it. Yeah. I've, I've definitely had the cobbled, thing <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's been a thing and i've tried to like bring it back together a little more but i love that that uh program that's super cool yeah it's uh it's super helpful if you uh can stick with it and use yeah. it yeah so all right well i think we're coming to the end of an episode we're going to end there save some other stuff for later but uh next week we're talking about what adam we're having our first special guest. Special guest Eric, Eric Bright, Bright joining us. Come on, and we're going to talk about GMless gaming. I'm playing that music twice because we talked so long. <laughs> Eric Bright's going to be with us next week. We do yeah. invite you to join us and come back. And uh, we thank you for joining us this yeah, week on Rise of the GM. See y'all. <laughs>